Welcome to Marketing Mistakes and How to Avoid Them. Here's your host, Stacey Jones. Welcome to Marketing Mistakes and How to Avoid Them. I'm Stacey Jones, and I'm so happy to be here with you all today. And I want to give a very warm welcome to Chris Mercer. Mercer is the co-founder of MeasurementMarketing.io, where he helps marketers know their numbers in an easy-to-understand manner by leveraging tools including Google Tag Manager, Google Analytics, Google Data Studio, a little bit of Google here, to track behaviors, measure progress of the customer journey, and make sure the right users see the right message at the right time. With over 20 years of experience in sales, marketing, and training, Mercer started his career in radio advertising, where he learned he had a passion for sales and marketing. He now trains people how to measure and improve their sales funnels and is a top contributor and speaker at multiple optimization conferences. Today, Mercer and I are going to be chatting about how to best measure and track behaviors to drive sales and measure your marketing endeavors yourself. We'll learn what works from Mercer's perspective, what should be avoided, and how some businesses and people just miss the mark. Mercer, welcome. So happy to have you here today. Thank you, Stacey. Appreciate you having me. Well, what I'd love to always start off on is, how did you start this journey? How did you get here today where you are now the guru of measurement marketing? Yeah, great question. So, you know, my background really is sales and, and primarily in sales management, sort of directing and managing sales teams. So I've always focused on measuring and managing a sales pipeline in whatever industry that I was working on. So when I came into digital marketing, I had actually created a, a company to train people how to do WordPress sites, really, which is creating a membership site on how to do that. And then we moved into building that stuff out. We moved into what they call conversion rate optimization. So building websites and then helping them to optimize. But in order to optimize, you have to measure stuff. And so that's where we started setting up analytics. And this is where the merging of, I think, kind of two backgrounds came. You know, one was me training and helping people learn all this stuff. And the other was this sales background that I had. I just cannot help but think in terms of a pipeline and managing a customer journey, essentially, right? Yeah. As you move from prospect to a customer. So when we set up Google Analytics way back in the day, that's sort of how we always did it. We didn't know you shouldn't or you couldn't do that right before. And so when we were delivering websites, it was people all of a sudden, you know, seeing this and going like, okay, now analytics makes sense. Now I can tell if Facebook is causing a certain result. I can see how Facebook is actually helping people, people maybe be more aware of a brand versus uh, particularly maybe closing us a customer journey. Like, you know, you, see, you can see how Facebook and email starts to work together and all these different traffic sources. And that was really our claim to fame is when we started showing that to individuals, we actually pivoted the entire organization, moved from WordPress and building out WordPress sites to just showing companies how to use these tools that we thought they were actually using them like this already, but we realized they weren't. We realized most people would just sort of activate Google Analytics, like they turn it on and they jump into the data and then they think, oh, well, if I just hack through the data long enough, there's magical insights going to smack me in the face and I'm going to be a better marketer tomorrow. And that's just not how it works. And so that was you know, kind of a long story short of how we got to where we are. It was just accidentally, in fact, setting up this thing in a way that made it a lot more useful and then showing people how to do it. So are you trying to tell our listeners and I today that if you are a company that sets up Google Analytics, it doesn't just magically make everything just happen for you? Imagine that. Actually, to be even more precise, it's that word setup is the challenge because a lot of people think they have set up Google Analytics, but what they've really done is just turned it on. 
So setup is really two things. What you want to activate the tool, right? Sometimes it's a WordPress plugin that you're doing, or sometimes it's a checkbox if you have a Shopify store or something along those lines, or you're working with your dev team to, to put that script on your pages. Well, that activates it. That turns it on. And of course, you know, all the data tables start showing stuff, but you have to actually customize and configure it so that it tells a natural story. And there's a lot of people that think, you know, if I just understood how to analyze my reports, I would be better at this tool. And that's kind of false belief, I think. Most people don't have to learn how to analyze reports. They have to make their reports simpler so that they don't require analysis. You know, for example, if you are driving and you look at your speedometer, you see a number, you see how fast you're going, and you instantly know if you need to hit the brake or hit the gas, right? Just knowing the number leads to an action. And a marketer's dashboard can be built that simply as long as you set up your Google Analytics correctly. But remember, setup is turning it on and then also customizing and configuring it properly. And there's so many things now that I think marketers are faced with, you know, whether you have an inbound system like HubSpot, whether you are measuring your traffic with Google through your own website. There are so many things that are kind of mind boggling for those of us who might not be experts in the digital space mm -hmm. to get very confused about, a little scared about, and just step back from. Yeah, that's, that's exactly right. I think the challenge with tools like this is they are so easily complicatable, right? You can go into Google Analytics, there's a million reports. There's a brand new Google Analytics now, which is completely different from the older Google Analytics. And so it's really easy to get overwhelmed and frustrated by these tools and just sort of give up. Like you go in there, you go, okay, I have no idea what any of this means. One report seems to contradict another report. You know what? I'll just come back in a couple of years and you know, hopefully at that point, I'll figure it out. And that happens a lot. And it's a shame because it's like, if I gave you a kid's book and I said, hey, read this kid's book to me, let's say, go to Locks and the Three Bears. You could probably do a pretty good job reading that book. Well, if I take that same book, I rip out the pages and I rip those pages into pieces, smash them all between the cover, and then I give you that back that book, could you read that story to me? Now, the answer is yes, you could, because I didn't change your ability to read, but it's a lot harder to see the story because you got to dump everything out, try to figure out where everything goes, how everything connects. Some of the pieces are going to get lost. You got to kind of make up and make some assumptions as to what might be going on. And you're going to tell a decent story, but it's going to take you a really long time to figure it out. And that's what I think a lot of marketers don't realize is tools like Google Analytics, by default, if you haven't understood how to properly set up that tool, meaning customizing and configuring it, it is just a bunch of ripped up pieces of data. It's all there. The story's there, but it's all ripped up in no real format. So of course, when you get into Google Analytics, it's not that you're not a numbers person. It's that it's a bunch of ripped up pieces of data. So you really can't see an obvious connection. But when you properly set it up, you properly tag the traffic, you try to properly measure the results, and we can talk more about that of how to do that. But when you do that, a natural story starts to appear. And then it becomes very much like, oh, okay, I see that Facebook is really good at making people aware. It's my Google ads retargeting campaign that's really good about getting them to become a lead. It's my emails that's really good about helping to close the deal for the product or service that I'm working on. And now as a marketer, I understand how to use Facebook in the personality that it's really good for and the results that it gets. I understand how to use Google ads and I understand how to use email together. And so now I've got this, the thing that I think everybody tries to look around for, which is this multi-touch attribution thing. Everyone's like, oh, what, what traffic sources? How do I work them all together? You know, Google Analytics will definitely tell you that stuff, but you have to actually set it up properly. That's the part that people just don't realize. It's a lot simpler than people make it out to be. And that's the challenge is to not overcomplicate it, to keep things simple. So for our listeners right now who are like, crap, I've totally set this up wrong, probably. What should they be doing actually to go back in and make sure that it is set up correctly? Are there certain steps in place that they should be following? 
Yeah, let's give you a little bit of framework. One is to forgive yourself, number one, because you're not alone. 99.9% of the people that come to us to learn how to do this, that's where they are. Everybody is. We were too. I did it for years because I thought that's how you're supposed to use it initially, right? When I was using it for other companies. But in reality, the trick to this is you have to have a plan. Then you've got to go through your build and then you have to launch it properly. So let's talk about each of those steps. So in your plan, it's something we call Kia, which is questions, information, and actions. So the first step to, a, and this is before you open up Google Analytics, right? Very just important thing. You got to plan it out first this is what most people skip because they don't realize they should be planning, but you got to build a measurement plan. So how do you do that? First, you ask questions. And I know a lot of people are kind of confused around that. And they say, well, I don't know if I'm asking the right questions. I don't know if I'm asking questions that are pertinent to my business. And so they go and they Google it and they do things like, what questions should a Shopify business owner be asking? All of a sudden you get a million blog posts, 300 YouTube videos, and everything's like, oh, 11 questions that every e-commerce store owner needs, seven questions every influencer should be asking, right? And you get millions of these things. They all seem to contradict, you know, like, okay, you know, enough. In reality, there are only ever two types of questions that you can ever ask. One is probably one you're asking, which is results questions. Like how many leads did I get? How much do they sell? How many units? You know, right? That sort of things. Sometimes it might be if you're more of a content marketing, how many clicks did I get right, to send over to the site that maybe you're an affiliate for? So that's the result type question. But the more important questions to ask, and you still need to ask results, but you also need to ask how. How is that happening? And the way to think about this, like if like, we have our flagship program, it's called the Measure Marketing Academy. If I only measured the number of people who bought the Academy and what the average ticket was and what the revenue was, like that would be okay. But if I have no idea the customer journey that's actually causing that, I don't actually know what actions to take to improve things, right? So what we do is we measure for that end result, the revenue and the sales and all that, but we also measure the how stuff. So we ask questions like, well, how many people actually saw the offer? How many of those people actually went to the cart? And then how many of those people actually completed the purchase? Now I have a customer journey and we're starting to see the pipelines that's starting to appear. So that's kind of results and how questions, right? Just a, a real brief example of that. The second part of that, once you have your questions listed down, I kind of think about this like three columns. So I'll list those questions down. Then next to that, I'll think, okay, what is the information that I need to collect in order to get those answers? So it might be, well, I've got to record the number of every time somebody loads a page for the academy, I want to see that page view. Every time the cart page loads, I want to be able to count the number of times that happens and the number of times the thank you page loads, right? To keeping it kind of simple. So now I can record all this information and that's going to give me answers to those questions that I'm asking. And then this is the most important part. And this is the part that definitely people skip, but it's because they just don't know to do it. And that's action. So remember, this is before you open up Google Analytics, before you look at a report. And this doesn't just matter about Google Analytics. It's just measurement in general. So it doesn't really matter. Even if you're not using Google Analytics, this still applies. But you think to yourself, okay, what actions am I going to take based upon the answers I get? And the secret sauce to this step is we call it if this, then that. What that means is you think, okay, if the number is lower than what I want it to do, I'm going to do this. If the number is higher than what I want it to be, I'm going to do that. And if the number is just right, then I'm going to do this other thing, right? So you think about all the actions that you're going to take before you even look at the number, before you even go and you go analytics or your dashboards, you're reporting or whatever it is. So that's that Kia process. That's a proper measurement plan. You have the questions listed out. You have the information that you need to collect in order to get the answers to the questions you're asking. And then you think about the actions you're going to take based upon the answers you get. 
Now that action step is really important because it eliminates the problem that a lot of companies have, which is a lot of data, no story, a lot of reports, but no action, a lot of, okay, this is great, but I have no idea what to do with it, right? This happens everywhere. Most companies have this problem, but that's because they haven't role-played what they're going to do with the actions first. They haven't rehearsed it. They haven't done a dry run. They haven't even thought about it. So imagine going back to your speedometer, the example that we talked about earlier, when you look at your speedometer, you instantly know if you're going to hit the gas or hit the brake. But the reason you know that is because you already knew that ahead of time, right? You knew what, you, what actions you would take ahead of time. If, if this is the first time you've ever seen a speedometer and that was when you saw it, you'd have no idea what the number means. You'd have to sit there and analyze it and you would crash. Right. That's why you or go really fast or really slow. That's exactly right. Right. So that's and that's the problem with a lot of marketing. That's that happens either when it works, it works really well. When it doesn't, it works horribly and nobody really knows how. And that's a huge issue. And it doesn't have to be like that. So having a measurement plan is the first most important step. And again, that's just that Kia process. So you list all the questions, the results and how, think about the information you're going to collect in order to get answers to those questions. And then what actions you're going to take based upon the answers you get. And then once you've got that, then you move into your build. And that's where if you use a tool like Google Analytics, which is free, so it applies to everybody. That's why we teach uh, with that tool. But it really doesn't matter. It's not just a Google Analytics thing. It's just a measurement thing in general, whatever you use. But the first thing you have to do in your build is you've got to make sure that you're measuring for the results like that measurement platform. And again, I will use Google Analytics as an example because everyone mm -hmm. has access to it. It has to know what results you're trying to achieve. And again, most individuals will set it up and they'll think, okay, well, I've got leads set up maybe as a goal, what they call a conversion mm -hmm. event in uh, Google Analytics for the new, the new platform. But they will set that up. They'll set up maybe revenue and e-commerce and they have those results being measured, which is great. But the secret sauce to this step is what we call ACE stands for three things, aware, complete, and engage. And that's the trick to this is you have to set up your results, not just for that final sort of completion step of the customer journey, not just for when they become a lead or when they purchase something, but you have to measure when they are aware of the customer journey that you want them to be aware of. And you have to measure as they engage as well. So again, ACE, it's the aware, measure for when they were aware. So again, as an example for us, we actually set a goal for when somebody comes to the Academy page, because now we know they're at least aware of that as a product, right? Mm -hmm. So we'll set that as a goal. We'll set up the completion goal, which of course is when they hit the thank you page and they've officially purchased that product and joined that program. And then we'll set up engagement goals, which is in our case, the cart view. So when they actually see that cart, the checkout page, and they're starting that process. So now we can measure aware, complete, and then as they engage along the way. Now, the important part of that is for the next step of your implementation, which is you've got to make sure that your implementation is measuring the traffic. It has to know who is sending you traffic, what type of traffic they're sending you, and what was the purpose of that traffic in the first place? And for this one, everybody here can play along at home because here's what we're going to do. So I've got a service we call the Measurement Marketing Toolbox. It's a free level membership. It's a ton of tools and everything else. Mm -hmm. So in Google Analytics, there's a thing called UTMs. Everybody can Google those. They're very simple. Just Google UTM. You'll see a million videos and 4 million blog posts tell you how to do them. Very, very simple to do. But they essentially sort of tag that traffic coming in so that a platform like Google Analytics knows where the traffic came from. They don't know who sent it to you, what type of traffic it was, and why. So if anyone wants to test this out, they just go to measurementmarketing.io forward slash 
marketing mistakes. So again, measuremarketing.io forward slash marketing mistakes. And what will happen when you, when you type that in is you're going to get redirected to that toolbox page. It's a completely free offer we have. Just name an email and get your free account, get a bunch of marketing tools and training. And just but for then, everyone to know, this is something special set up just for you as listeners. He does not normally have the backslash marketing mistakes on his website. So this is for this podcast exactly and a tool right. for you all as a gift. And you'll be able to learn as you're doing this, because when you type that in, look in your browser and you're going to see at the very top of the browser that you're going to a page where it has that toolbox membership. But next to that, you're going to see all these little characters what they call parameters in the URL. And it's going to identify and it's actually going to say, hey, it came from the Marketing Mistakes podcast. Mm -hmm. It was podcast traffic. And it was for the purposes of the academy journey. You're going to see all of that. And the reason that that's there is so in Google Analytics, I can then go back, let's say, you know, weeks after this is released, I can go back and I can say, well, what, what happened with that podcast that we did, you know, with Stacy? We can go back into our Google Analytics and we can see, oh, well, it turns out, let's say 100 people came in from the podcast, 50 of them became aware of the Measure Marketing Academy, 30 of them became leads, and you know, let's say 10 of them purchased from an email that we sent them later. We'll be able to see all of that, and we'll be able to attribute it to the fact that I was on this podcast. In fact, the only reason that I'm on this podcast right now is because we've been doing this for many, many years, and we realized podcast traffic is kind of like SEO in a way. It's, it's got a great long tail. We get traffic from podcasts I did four years ago, which really surprised me. I didn't think that was... Uh, how podcasts work, but they definitely do. And so we really started going into the podcast channel. As a company, we made the marketing decision to focus on podcasts as a traffic source. The only reason we did that is because we measured for it and we understood the results we were getting. We could tell podcasts, now they're not great traffic sources for us to get purchases for the academy, but that's not what they're there for. They're there to make people aware of the brand and we measure for that goal. And so we know podcast traffic is a type of traffic that's super important. And more importantly, I can pull a report in Google Analytics that shows show me all of the podcasts that we've done. And that's where all the different traffic sources, of course, like marketing mistakes and how to avoid them would actually show up there. So the beauty of doing that with your build, when you just focus on those two primary steps, you identify, you set up what they call ACE, right? Those little ACE mm -hmm. conversions, the aware, complete, and engage, and you've identified the traffic. Now you can connect them into a story where it shows, okay, this traffic, this type of traffic is really good at this specific type of result. And I don't try to make podcast traffic sell the academy because it's never going to do that well. But instead, I make it so that, okay, it's going to set people up to be aware of the academy. If they become a lead, the email's job is to actually help move them through that customer journey and complete the journey, ideally, right? So now I'm using my traffic sources in the way that they're most likely going to give me the better results that I need as people move through the customer journey. So that's just an example of how our own, you know, measurement plan led into that build. We measure for that. And of course, you know, everybody can play along at home. If you go to that link again, measuremarketing.io for slash marketing mistakes, and you'll see how we're doing that. So it's kind of a cool thing to see in real time. Now, once you have all of that down, then you go into that launch mode. And that's that third step of the framework here. And what that is, is just using it, right? So first you have to have a good plan. Don't do anything unless you have a plan. If you're not planned first, make sure you get that plan, questions, information, actions. Then you do your build, you set up your ACE, you set up your traffic, right? So you have your measuring results with ACE, you got your traffic, and now you've got a story where you can see the different types of traffic are really good at certain types of results. Then you use it. This is where you launch. And essentially what you do is you first listen to the conversation. Now, we say listen to the conversation because I think that's another thing that a lot of marketers have missed, specifically digital marketers. If you and I were on an offline store, and let's say you came into my shoe store, 
I would say, hey, how can I help you? And you would say, I'm looking for, let's say sneakers or something. I would say, great, let's go back to the sneaker section. What are you looking for? Who's it for? Blah, blah, blah. Have you try on some shoes? Eventually, hopefully buy one, get one free, maybe give you a little coupon to join my email list. It would be a conversation. I would be listening to what you're saying and I would be responding and changing how I say things back to you to ultimately get a transaction to happen, right? That's the whole point. This happens offline, absolutely normally. Nobody ever thinks about it. But digitally, we don't listen. Digitally, there's a website there. So digital marketers kind of like, well, okay, there's no way for me to do it. So, you know, you just, you don't think about it, that there's an actual conversation, but that is so not true. There's an absolute conversation that's happening between your website and this, particularly the step of the website that they're on and that user. In fact, when you're on a website, you probably hear it when you're going through and you're reading the copy, you probably hear that voice inside your head. That's actually saying stuff. There's a very real conversation happening. So the trick is, okay, well, we can't be there. The website's there, obviously it's digital. So how do we listen? Measurement is how we listen. So the better that you get at measurement is the better that you are at understanding their side of the conversation. And then how do we respond? How do we keep the conversation going? Well, that's where marketing comes in, the traditional digital marketing stuff. So measurement is how we listen. Marketing is how we respond. And so if we saw that there was a bunch of people coming to the Academy page, as an example, and they weren't staying there more than 10 seconds, am I going to create a Facebook retargeting or worse, a lookalike audience out of that group? No. Why would I do that? That's not the right group. They're, they're clearly not interested. For example, bring it to offline, which I love using examples of offline because people don't do that enough. But if you came in and to my shoe store and I was like, hey, how can I help you? And say, oh, sorry, I was looking for the tire place. And I'm like, oh yeah, they used to be here, but they're across the street now. You would be like, oh, thank you so much. I'm going to go get some tires. That would be the end of the conversation in offline world. But in online world, I would follow you over to this tire store, wait for you to come out and be like, now do you want to buy shoes? Because clearly you were interested in buying <laughs> shoes because you walked in my shoe store for half a second, right? This happens all the time digitally. It's part of the reason we're in this big privacy problem right now with marketing in general is because it's just been overzealous. Nobody's really realized if you set up measurement properly, you can avoid that mess. So listening to the conversation is super important. And you just look for the trends and patterns that are happening in your numbers to do that. Now, once you have that, you got kind of your benchmarks of what a typical opt-in rate might be for you or what a typical conversion rate might be for you. Not just your core conversion rate, not just how many people are purchasing, but how many people actually that, that saw or were aware of the product, how many of those actually started to engage. So it's multiple results and how steps, right? You understand everything about how your marketing is working. When you have those benchmarks, you can do the second step of that, which is forecasting. This is what a lot of people miss because again, they're not aware of it. That's the only reason is because they mm -hmm. haven't realized to do it, but you have to stop looking back in their numbers. It's a big problem that most companies do is they ask questions like what happened to $10,000 we spent on Facebook last week. And what they should be asking is what's going to happen to the $10,000 we're going to spend next week. That's a powerful question because now you're marketing forward. You're not driving through the rear view mirror anymore. You're driving through the windshield like a normal person should. And you're actually starting to forecast and say, well, we're going to spend $10,000. That's going to, should generate about 10,000 clicks. That should cause about 2,500 opt-ins of those, let's say maybe 250 purchase within seven days for a hundred bucks. And that's, what's going to generate our $2,500 in sales or whatever the thing is that you're looking for. So you forecast what your results are going to be. And again, that's in the beginning, you might just guess, but that's perfectly fine. And then you measure against your forecast. And that's the final, final step of this whole framework, which is optimization. So optimization is what everybody wants to race toward. Everybody wants to know what actions do I take? And how do I improve things? Should we change our headline? Should we change the offer? Should we change the entire funnel? Maybe do a webinar funnel instead of a long form sales copy. Maybe we you know, use a different tech stack instead. 
And that's everybody randomly guesses as to what's going to improve their marketing. And you don't have to do that. Your customers will tell you that as long as you listen to their side of the conversation through measurement. So optimization is really just measuring against your forecast. So again, if we go back to that example and said, well, we thought that we're going to spend $10,000 on Facebook and it's going to generate 10,000 clicks. And we find out it only generated 2000 clicks. We go, okay, we clearly know it's not the offer. We don't have to change the headline on the, on the pages. We don't need to change our checkout process. It's nothing about the tech or our pricing. It's on Facebook's end right now. We got to focus on that. What's going on there. If it's, well, we got 10,000 people, but only 1,000 opted in instead of the 2,500. Well, now we know we might have an issue with mismatching the expectation a little bit. Maybe the ad didn't properly present them, or maybe it's just a bad offer on that page. But now we know what part to actually focus our very limited resources on. Because as digital marketers, there's a million different things we can be doing every day. So the challenge is where do you focus to be able to move the needle the fastest? And the beauty of measurement is that it will, it will tell you what to do. And the real beauty of that is that it's not you guessing. It's not the platform telling you, it's your customers because your customers are the only ones who will actually know. And so you listen to what they're doing on the site and then by their behaviors, you can say, oh, this is what I like. If, I, if you like the behaviors that you're getting, go scale traffic, go get more of it. But if you don't fix it, fix that pipeline. You might find there's a lot of people coming to the pages that aren't even hanging around more than 10 seconds. So there's, a, there's probably like an above the fold issue with the page at that point. It's something that they clearly see and they, it checks out immediately and they're, and they're gone. But if they are staying there more than 10 seconds you know, and they're scrolling down the pages and then maybe they're not clicking on the page, well, maybe at that point you have a problem with the offer and that's where you focus your resources. So a um, lot easier to do this than to date. Because you're actually getting in this whole digital world constant feedback that you're able to look at, address, tweak, and try again and get that feedback again versus being in a siloed world where you're not necessarily hearing from your customer, from this relationship, whomever it might be, of what you're doing, whether it matters or not. That's exactly right. Where along the line here do people just go off the deep end and and mess it up, right? We talked earlier on about the fact that they don't get ready at the beginning. They're trying to race to optimization. So they're not setting everything up. There's no plan along exactly. the way. Yes. So besides not planning, like where else does it tend to go off the rails? Where do people think it should be one way and it's actually another? It's a great question. The beginning mistakes, obviously a plan, which we already talked about. The other biggest issue, which we already sort of mentioned earlier, is that setup phase, because it's so easy to turn on these platforms, right? Just to activate them. So they start collecting a bunch of data and just people don't realize, and this is not anyone's fault. I mean, because I, again, I did the same thing, right? It's just the fact that these platforms are so easy to turn on and activate and start filling with data that you think, well, if the data is there, it must be ready to use, but it's not. It's like if it went into a kitchen and you just pull a bunch of ingredients, you dip a bunch of ingredients in the bowl, and then you're like, must be ready to eat. It's like, well, no, it needs to be mixed and cooked, right? And you got to cook at a certain temperature. You got to, you actually have to prepare everything. And it's like, okay, that's what you have to do with data. And people don't realize that because it's so fast to get this stuff there. And we don't need more data. That's a big problem with the world right now. Big data is a thing and it's just getting bigger, but we don't need it. For the, for the most part, what you need is to understand the conversation that's happening. So you collect the information, just the information that you currently need to answer the questions you are currently asking. And so as you go through this entire process, you plan out and it might be something simple. That's perfectly fine. If you're just starting out, you ask the questions that you 
really want to know, like how many people are going to my offer? How many of those are, are going to the checkout? How many of those are completing the journey? Fine. Start there. Eventually, you will go through this process over and over. It's not just a one and done thing. You do your plan, you do your build, you use it, right, to learn and optimize. And then you're going to improve your plan. How do you improve your plan? Because once you understand, let's say, as an example, if we knew that, like for us, we have a, a basic forecast that says eight to 12%, let's, let's call it 10%. If 10% of the people who see the academy page should go to the cart page, right? So we know that. Now, remember, we have a little more measurement muscle because we've been doing this for a while. But because we have measurement muscle, because we understand how to use the tools, we not just know, okay, maybe it's 3% of the people go into the cart. That could be a problem for us. And we don't, but at this point, what do you do to fix it, right? How do we optimize? And so for us, we went, well, we know that it should be 10, 10% going to the cart. We only have maybe, you know, two or 3% going to the cart. What's going on on the sales page? What's going on on that offer page that might be causing that? So we started asking bigger questions. So we started asking questions like, well, how many people are staying there more than 10 seconds? How many of those people are staying there 45 seconds and scrolling halfway down? How many of those people are actually seeing the pricing table for at least three or four seconds? So they're like investigating the offer and considering it. And then how many of those people are actually clicking on the button that will send them to the cart page? So now we can go at a whole new level and we can see exactly the behaviors that are happening in the offer page. And more importantly, our marketing team does this. So they go to that report, we call it the eyes and the journey report, because it kind of shows how many people had the impression, how many were actually introduced, which is that 10 second rule that we have, we call it the officially introduced to the product or service, mm -hmm. how many were interested, how many investigated, how many initiated to go to the next step, right? So they'll look at this report and they instantly know how to direct the copy. So their copy team comes in, they go, oh, I see. We're not getting people interested enough. So let's go back to the copy and try to make it more interesting. Sometimes that's simplifying the copy a little bit. Sometimes that's building more value in that copy. But they know because of if it's that they're not getting interest, let's say as an example, they don't try to change the offer because they know that no one's seeing the offer yet. So it's not that, it's something else. And so they know where to focus very specifically on a certain step. And again, this is an evolution. So please don't try this at home when you're just starting this out. But, it's an but that's the idea is that you can get really specific. So the better you get at measurement, the better you're able to listen. And this is not just, you can just use Google Analytics to start. That's perfectly fine. Everybody can use that tool because everybody's got access to it. And that's where other tools come in like Tag Manager, like Data Studio. Um, to or help heat you mapping because you're talking exactly about being right. able to travel down. So for all of our listeners who are like, how does he know that someone went halfway down the page and scrolled over there and looked over there? You have this crazy technology, if y'all have not ever done it with heat mapping, where you can actually follow where people are moving and going on your website. And it's a bigger step than Google Analytics, but it's another actually, one we that we use Google you. Analytics for that in our case. Okay. So actually we, use, we use Tag Manager for that. Okay. So, and, and we can talk about the different tools too that are out there. But um, I'll tell you, so there's, there's great heat mapping companies out there like Hotjar, Mm -hmm. uh, crazy egg, one of the old school ones that's been out. Mm -hmm. Lucky orange is another one, but if you haven't, and this is for everybody, this is a free one that people do not know about. And it's a shame. Microsoft clarity, hmm. Microsoft clarity, completely free. Just go to clarity.microsoft.com. And what it does is heat maps, scroll maps, screen recordings. It's all compliant, GDPR compliant. They, they privatize everything and anonymize it. So it's good there. But all you do is you put a little piece of script on the page and now we, you can go through, and what I love about Clarity is they, they make numbers for normal people, like their dashboards are normal. So you're not looking at a bunch of data tables when you come in. When you come in, you see a dashboard and it says things like rage clicks. And you're like, what's a rage click? And a rage click is when somebody's trying to click on a button a couple of times really fast, 
but nothing's happening. So there's like, okay, what's going on? They're clearly trying to make something work, but they're not. And <laughs> Microsoft Claire would say, hey, it looks like 2% of your audience are, are rage clicking right now. Would you like to watch those recordings? And you're like, yes, I would. And you click the recordings button. Now you're watching people going through whatever the page was that you're looking at. And what's beautiful about this software, this uh, uh, system, platform, I should say, at, at Microsoft Clarity, is it's all happening in the background for all of your pages. Yeah. So you don't have to think ahead and be like, oh, we got to make sure to set this up. It's just automatically there. Mm -hmm. So when we have a problem with the Academy page again, we'll go into Microsoft Clarity and go see, okay, do we see rage clicks? Um, they have another one where it was dead clicks, which is where somebody's clicking on something, but it didn't go anywhere. So sometimes a button's broken. Sometimes an image looks like a button. Sometimes the designers got a little too carried away and they look like buttons and people are clicking on something thinking it's a button. And it's like Microsoft Clarity say, hey, it looks like there's a weird behavior happening on your pages. Would you like to watch the recordings of how people are interacting with it that are just having that? And you're like, yes, I would. And all of a sudden you learn so much so quickly. And what's really nice about that platform because it goes to your point about qualitative data, right? Sometimes it's mm -hmm. useful to see stuff in pictures is you very clearly see the story of what's happening and you can't ignore it because it's your customers doing it. It's their behaviors. You, there's no better way to listen to a conversation than watching somebody that you don't know going through your site, right? And again, you, there's, there's no personal identifying information. It's completely anonymized, but that's the point of it is you get to see that behavior and go like, wow, we got to work with the design team. Maybe we change that or Oh, that opt-in button's not working. Like that explains the opt-ins going low. There's a functional problem with the website. And Microsoft Clarity is a fantastic tool, completely free, just like Google Analytics. Not enough people know about it and certainly not enough people are using it, but it is the simplest, yeah. simplest thing to use. It's a piece of script you put on your site and you're done. There's no setup at all other than that. So I would absolutely recommend Microsoft Clarity. That is a very good tidbit. Because I think we've used Hotjar for a very long time, but I think we will definitely we have to take Hotjar's a look great. at Clarity. Yeah. We use Hotjar a lot for like the surveys and you know mm -hmm. things like that. And then we use Clarity for the heat maps and the scroll maps and the screen recordings because they're all sitting in the background just okay. waiting for us, which is great. So do you also find that one of the mistakes people make, and this is something we see as an agency where we're doing you know different programs where we're doing a product placement program or cross-promotion or influencer marketing, and they're offline, even though the you know influencers online, but they're activities that are not tagged and they're not going to be from able to be sourced essentially from one specific um, action. And we find when we're talking to brands that like, how did this campaign do? And they're like, oh, we don't know how it did because they don't talk with their digital teams about their offline activities that are actually making an impact in the digital world. That's exactly right. This is an offline activity for us. If you think about it, right? So somebody's in their car right now, listen to this. And so again, if they go back and they say, this is kind of interesting. I want to learn kind of what this guy's talking about and what maybe stuff they have. When they go to measurementmarketing.io forward slash marketing mistakes link, that's a perfect example of how to measure for what is traditionally an offline activity. When I'm on stages speaking, I give out links that redirect and they identify speaking as a type of traffic. So podcast is one type of traffic, just like paid media is like CPC traffic, right? But so is speaking for us. And so when we have speakers that are on stage or webinar traffic um, for, for things that are out there, like that's how we measure for all of that. Um, if you're doing radio commercials, if we did radio commercials, it'd be measuremarketing.o forward slash, you know, KL whatever would be the radio station. And we would know that it came from that particular radio station. Now, again, if, it depends how you're doing your body. I used to work in radio back in the day. So either way, you can do a link that will redirect 
that will identify that type of traffic. And you can do that more often than not. There's pretty, it's pretty rare where you can't do things like that. In fact, when you look at a lot of the TV commercials that are on there and you'll see people say, oh, go to the site.com slash something. That's why they're doing that. So they can measure for that. So there's lots of ways to do it. The trick is just realizing that you should. And I think you're right. There's a lot of miscommunication, not miscommunication, just no communication mm -hmm. between sometimes the digital side and that offline side, because they just, they're doing it traditional broadcast. They're more concerned about maybe reaching impression and that's sort of how they're measuring stuff, but just reaching impressions like that's okay. But all you're measuring is potential awareness when you look at reach and impression and you don't know, are you even targeting the right audience? Like, did they actually end up doing anything in that customer journey besides just hearing the name a couple of times? And you can do that as long as you use those UTMs. Well, Mercer, I think we could talk for hours. You have, you are a font of information that is excellent. So I really do appreciate that. How can our listeners find you? Well, obviously we've talked a bunch about that link. So everybody can see that. We have. For slash marketing mistakes. But we have a ton of free YouTube training because I realize it's you know not everyone's journey yet to purchase something like the Academy. But you can go to measurementmarketing.io for slash YouTube and you'll see our channel there. We got a ton of free training on all the different tools that exist in measurement. And you know we're obviously happy to help anybody there. You can reach me through there as well. Any last words of advice today for our listeners? get good enough to get going and then come back and make it better later. There's so much to this measurement thing. There's so many different reports and so many bells and whistles. And every freaking day, there's a new tool to do something different that you think you're supposed to have. And you have this FOMO, this fear of missing out that happens. And it gets really complicated really quick and people get overwhelmed and frustrated and they just shut down. The secret to avoiding all of that is focus on one thing, just get good enough to get going and then come back and make it better later. Think about it like a pair of glasses. If I have poor vision, which I do, I'm wearing contacts right now, but if I have if I have no glasses at all, everything's really kind of blurry. If I find an old pair of glasses I had 10 years ago, even though the prescription's not quite perfect, it's better than what I currently have. And that will get me to get to an eye doctor so I can get a better pair of prescription glasses to actually make it even better and even better after that. So that's the trick with measurement, with any of this stuff, just get good enough to get going, come back and make it better later because there's always that iteration. And you have to just start because as you started this podcast out, if you don't have that snippet of code in your WordPress or whatever website you might actually have, you're not capturing the actual information that you're going to need when you are ready to go and dive in deep. And exactly right. And worse, you're ignoring the conversation that's happening there because that conversation is happening regardless of if you're listening or not. So when you set up measurement, you actually are starting to listen to the conversation that's there. And of course, you will naturally, when you understand the conversation, you will naturally start to adjust your side of it to keep the conversation going in the direction you want. That's exactly right. Well, Mercer, thank you again. I learned a lot. I am sure that our team, who I will unleash this podcast on to listen to as well, are going to gain tremendous insight, as will our listeners today. So thank you for your time and your energy and all your knowledge. Thanks, Stacey. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for listening to another episode of Marketing Mistakes and How to Avoid Them. Hope you're enjoying the podcast. Please remember, you can always check out our influencer and branded content marketing school at learn.hollywoodbranded.com to find out more about all things content marketing and discover a deeper dive into topics that will help you and your marketing grow. You'll get access to courses and surveys that are going to improve your skills and knowledge and you can join me as I walk you through easy bite-sized classes to teach you all the marketing's do's and don'ts. Have a great week.